Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman here broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, now offering my favorite holiday gift idea, Orchestrate Hospitality Gift Cards. Support Gateway and other great local businesses with a gift that covers a huge selection of quality groceries and restaurant offerings. Gift cards are good at Gateway Market, Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burger, and several other locations. And that offer is good through December 31st. All right, so Charles, I hope you had uh, a, a Merry Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate. Uh, yeah, it was it was a great uh, great monument to American consumerism. <laughs> so that means Santa, Santa was good to you? Uh, no, I, actually, <laughs> we decided we're not doing any presents. There's only one person who gets presents in our house. That's your wife. No, no, the kid, of course, the uh, the uh, ten year old, the child, nine, yes, nine year old, ten year old. He'll be he'll be turning nine in April. Yeah. He's 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 he is the uh, best consumer okay. in the house. <laughs> well, somebody has to keep Wall Street afloat. <laughs> exactly. Might as well be the nine-year-old. <laughs> hey, a uh, quick shout out to the uh, Des Moines Irish Session for providing the bumper music for this program. And um, before we discuss gerrymandering, I got to weigh in on eminent domain. Big issue here in the Upper Midwest, relevant to the proposed carbon dioxide pipelines. And here come the Republican presidential candidates, except for Trump, who are um, coming out against using eminent domain to build this thing. So this is interesting to me uh, because, um, you know, here, <laughs> okay, so this is hilarious. Uh, this is Trump responding to a question about eminent domain at a rally here in Iowa earlier this year. Uh, question? Yeah, please. Somebody over there? Sir. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know we're working on that, and you know we had a plan to totally uh, — it's such a ridiculous situation, isn't it? But we had a plan, and we would have instituted that plan, and it was all ready. But uh, we will get it back. If we win, that's going to be taken care of. That will be one of the easy things we do. Okay. It was in the same file as the Obamacare replacement plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even know what he was talking about. Of course not. And, and if anybody bought that response, then they are really thicker than a ton of bricks. So here's Trump. Here's what Trump really thinks about eminent domain. Eminent domain is something that has to be used. Usually you would say for anything that's long, like a road, like a pipeline, or like a wall or a fence. That's that's how Trump really feels about eminent domain. I, you know, I, I will be shocked if here in Iowa and maybe other other states in the upper Midwest, but especially Iowa, because Republicans have the first caucus. I will be shocked if we don't see DeSantis, Haley, maybe Vivis, maybe um, Ramaswamy mm -hmm. coming out with ads attacking Trump for being pro eminent domain when 80 percent of Iowans oppose using it to build these pipelines. And even the percentage among Republicans in rural Iowa, even higher. So that, that, that's, um, that's amazing to me that he, has, uh, he's, he hasn't, that he basically said nothing. Well, I guess it's not amazing to me that he said nothing. Right. <laughs> but it will be amazing to me if the other candidates don't come out in opposition to him. And well, of course, it's such a pander, though. I mean, because they, they'll say this here. And then they'll say something else once they're away from us. You mean DeSantis, Haley, and them? Yeah, well, because, you know, even even as we talked about last week, you know, with the COP28, they're talking about the same thing, about carbon capture as part of the solution. You yeah. know? Well, carbon and, capture, depending on the, the flavor, it could be good, it could be terrible. In this case, it's absolutely terrible. Well, why, what flavor would you not need a pipeline if you're doing carbon capture? Um, if, you, if you're using natural, car, biologic Carbon capture, where you're planting trees, uh, restoring wetlands, uh, the, you know those those things uh, actually do work, and they work a lot better at a lot less cost. They just don't make any big money for people like Bruce Rastetter and BlackRock and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, the oil companies that are behind these these pipelines. So, well, I'll, I'll how, how many trees would you have to plant? A lot, <laughs> a lot. But let's get on it. <laughs> let's get on it and let's stop deforestation while we're at it you know uh -huh. but also interesting to me on this and this is a, this is our segue democrats here in iowa have said pretty much nothing there have been only a couple voices that have been any any kind of criticism of the eminent domain pipeline mm -hmm. eminent domain for pipelines again democrats is totally you know losing the opportunity to really relate 
uh, to the constituencies they've lost. Rural, rural America, working class America, just totally eliminating the possibility of regaining some of those votes. But no surprise there. Right. Anyway. Well, another missed opportunity, like simply coming out and say we should just make take marijuana off Schedule One and make it legal recreational. I mean, you have to have some courage here to, to do the things that people yeah. want you to do. Uh, yeah. Well, this doesn't, you know, this one, this issue doesn't even take courage. It just takes a, a small amount of brains, I guess. I mean, mm. I, I am really shocked. I'm not surprised Republican candidates are coming out against it. You're probably right. It's probably pandering. Uh, but it does distinguish them from Trump. But I am surprised that Democrats have pretty much said nothing on it. So, yeah. Well, part of the problem is that would put them at odds with Joe Biden, who is uh, who signed the legislation that puts together the tax credits that make these CO2 pipelines possible. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, Democrats might have another opportunity to to score some points uh, through an entirely different vehicle, and that is gerrymandering, which we right. usually talk about in the context of criticizing Republican state legislatures for using gerrymandering to assure their majorities. But now we have the possibility that Democrats might achieve some political value from using gerrymandering? Well, I, 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 I'd be cautious about making the usual false equivalency that the media does, that everybody does it. Because in, in, in point of fact, the Democrats are still much more uh, engaged with the ideas of independent uh, com, you know, commissions, making lines. Um, the, the most notorious gerrymanders are, are still occurring in Republican states, probably one of the worst, North Carolina at this point. Well, sure, but Maryland's not very good. No, and and, and you know, no. and New York. But, we'll see what happens in New York. But the you know, with the uh, with the appeals court, um, the New York State Appeals Court ruling by a very slim margin, four to three. That right. the state, actually, it was it was it, the vote simply switched by one judge, actually the same judge, but now in a different oh. position on the court. She changed her vote from what nullified the uh, legislative changes in New York to saying that they should be redone. Um, because the ones they use that cost the Democrats six seats probably um, yeah. were drawn by an independent commission. Right. Well, that independent well, drawn com- by a court order. Well, commission. right, right. But that, that independent right. commission is still authorized to, to follow the court's order and redraw the map. But it's, but then that has to be approved by a Democratic legislature. That's, That's overwhelmingly Democratic. That's correct both House and Senate in New York. So right. it's hard to imagine that this not coming out positive for Democrats. Some are saying as many as six seats might flip Democrat because of it. I That would be enough to, um, that would to offset, win the House. Right, and that would offset what's probably going to happen in North Carolina. North Carolina <laughs> is basically... I know. Yeah, North Carolina is basically a, a 50-50 state in terms of, of registered Democrats versus Republicans. Right. Um, and yet they're probably going to send a... Uh, House of Representatives delegation that is 75% Republican. Right. Well, what is it right now? Um, it's actually only, I think, two seats in favor of Republicans. Okay, but there, there, there are, my understanding is there's three seats at play in the, um, in the redistricting process that will probably swing from Democrat to Republican. Right. And that's where your 75% threshold comes in. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah, basically the situation, and, and I mean, I was surprised to realize this too because I think we all assume that the, the advantage in terms of gerrymandering is is, is predominantly Republican, yeah, and it still is. It still and is. it still will be. Right, and, and yeah. you know, and let's, you know, of course, what's changed things is that it, under the the Voting Act, um, gerrymandering based on race is not. It's not legal. Right, but you can still get away with it well, for partisan purposes. That's correct. Well, <laughs> what happened was the Supreme Court, in, in their infinite wisdom, said, well, things are fine now, right? <laughs> and, and, of course, you know, remember that under the Voting Rights Act, the, the federal government had to approve the maps mm-hmm. in many of the states in the former Confederate South, and right. still the present lost cause Confederate South. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, that went away, and at the same time, the Supreme Court said the courts could only intervene if it was race that was being used to to gerrymander. So you have legislatures who are justifying their they're saying well, well, this is just political, racially biased right. maps. They're, they're just part, political partisan yeah, gerrymanders, yeah, right, right. right? Because yeah. because they use the 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 
you know, non-white population as a surrogate for a democratic district. Yeah. You know, and so, of course, the whole thing is, is in many ways a joke. But, you know, it's way too early to really say what the 2024 outcome of the election, what, what the election is going to result in in terms of control of the House. I mean, it's very close right now. You know, you've got your six seats possibly in New York that could switch Democratic. You've also got George Santos' seat. I mean, I, right. I don't see any way a Republican is going to win that seat. No. Uh, I, I know I know that Republicans are happy to get George Santos out of the U.S. Congress so they can field a candidate that might stand a chance. But I think given what's happened, I'd say that seat's probably going to go Democratic. And then you offset those victories by what's happening in North Carolina. The problem is you've got 435 members of the U.S. House who knows who might die between now and next fall? Who knows who might have another sex scandal? Right. Who knows who might decide they've got a better job somewhere else? You know, with an oil Well, a sex scandal, it probably at this point increases your chance of winning. <laughs> well, that only works for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, let's look at the, the situation goes beyond New York. Okay, so New York sure. we already know. Right. And in fact, if New York had performed the way you would have expected, the Democrats shouldn't have lost. Right. The House. And, and why, why did they? That's a really good question. Why did they lose in 2022? Um, you, you've, got, you, you've got some roots in New York. What's your take? You know, it, 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 I don't think anyone has a particularly good explanation. Because, you know, even the, the head of the Democratic you know, committee to get people reelected in the House lost his district. Mm-hmm. And the gerrymander there wasn't as, as strong as the one they'll probably end up with. In other words, the districts will probably still, at least nominally, based on voting in the presidential election, um, Democratic districts, but they weren't, you know, by 10, 15 points. So, um, you know, when you look at the totals, the Republicans actually got about 51% of votes for House seats in 2022. Which is and a, they got about 51% of the House seats. Which is interesting because they're only 22% of the electorate in New York State. Right. I mean, independents are 23%. Well, and Democrats are just under half. Mm. So, so Democrats do have a significant majority. That's right. But that's still outperforming their numbers. But Which, I mean, my guess, Charles, and again, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot more knowledge of what happens in Iowa but I'm, I'm guessing that some of the same dynamics are at play in rural parts of every state in the union, uh, and particularly um, you know everything outside of New York City. You've got you've got um, you've got rural voters who are disenchanted with democratic politics, uh, uh, and and so and, and you've got a democratic party that isn't responding to their concerns. That's my guess. Well, I think that the other thing is is that the abortion issue wasn't as important in New York because New York has already solidly said by virtue of having passed additional laws, that it is going to be a state in which abortion remains legal. Well, except if you've got a federal ban. Well, there's not going to be a federal ban. Well, But nevertheless, the point is is that it was hard. That played much more strongly in states that were borderline as to what they were going to do. So I think the abortion issue wasn't as big an issue. And so what became a bigger issue, because remember in 2022, the inflation was a lot worse. Mm -hmm. And I think it was the economic issues that kind of did the Democrats. But there are other places. We already, all right, so we know North Carolina and New York are going to be, you know, working on the opposite sides. You've got the case that was brought to add another district in Alabama in which, in which. That will go Republican too. No, 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 no. no. They have to add a majority black district. Well, I'm thinking of Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then there are suits about the district in Tallahassee that DeSantis clearly, you know, he drew the map. Yeah. He drew a map that was even worse. With a Sharpie? Yeah. Oh, no, no. He borrowed the Sharpie. Well, (laughs) knowing how much he loves Trump, he probably borrowed the signature Sharpie from Trump. (laughs) But nevertheless, yeah, he his map clearly did a, a racial gerrymander in, I believe it was Tallahassee. I don't think it was mm-hmm. Jackson. I think it was Tallahassee. And so that district may go back to being one the Democrats actually can win. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some districts in Georgia that are being challenged. The district in Louisiana is being challenged. The district in South Carolina that they kind of carved out for Nancy Mace um, is probably going to stand. So the estimate is, is that the... Democrats, and also by virtue of things that happened in, in Oregon and Illinois, that the Democrats might have a, a, up to 10 seats that they didn't have before that they could legitimately think they would win. The only thing that, that is uncertain here is if the, the Republicans can push all this out past 2024. You push some of the, the push the, the decisions in yeah. the in, okay. in the yeah, in the state out, and well, ultimately what happens in New York 
is if it goes back again to it's such a horrible gerrymander in the eyes of the court, then it may go back to the court again. Yeah. And of course, you, you've got some, I mean, districts like here, like here in Iowa, we don't have gerrymandering in Iowa. One of the, one of the good things I can say about our state, mm-hmm. there are three districts that are competitive. They were all Democratic at one point, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Now they're all Republican. Uh, that could switch, but I don't predict it will happen. Given, given, given the, uh, the ineptitude of the Democratic Party here, I don't see that happening. But there are districts around the, around the country that are similarly close, swing districts that might uh, you know, could conceivably go the other way. But it's probably too early to, uh, f- uh, to, um, to venture, uh, I guess, as to who might control the U.S. House after the 2024 election, Charles. I think the Democrats are going to control the House. You do? Yeah. I do think that the structural advantages are with them. Um, and, uh, but I, I suspect they're also going to lose the Senate. The numbers of the seats they have to defend is just too high. Okay. You well, know, and where they're defending them. For, my, for me, it's too early to, to project uh, an outcome, although... Other than that... RFK is going to be the next that's president. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. That's the next right. president is going to be RFK. That's not an endorsement. It doesn't mean I'm going to support him. I'm just reading the tea leaves. Mm-hmm. Hey, we've got to take a short break. When we come back, Charles and I are going to switch gears and talk about the U.S. Supreme Court case uh, on Mifeprestone. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Marketing Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures, great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to the Catholic Peace Ministry, an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese for their support of this program. CPM focuses on nuclear disarmament, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and ending the permanent war economy. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Thanks also to Western Optometry, located in Des Moines' East Village. Dr. Joel Westrom and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry. All right, Charles, uh, so we, um, we've been talking about uh, the 2024 election and gerrymandering. There's another big event. Well, there's all, all kinds of big events happening, but um, in terms of court cases, uh, there's uh, an expectation that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to rule on a key abortion case probably by June. Correct. And, and I think it'd be worth reviewing here for a minute the Mifepristone case. Can, can we step back one step sure. further? Tell us what, what, what is Mifepristone and why is it important? So Mifepristone in conjunction with another medication is the regimen that's used for doing medication abortions. And medication abortions uh, obviously can be done without people having to travel uh, a significant distance because they're not done in a outpatient facility or anything like that. Um, In fact, the Biden administration increased access, allowing the the drugs to be mailed uh, during the pandemic. Uh, Here in Iowa, uh, uh, mifepristone-based medication abortions have been done in a way where that the uh, patient would go to a medical facility and then be uh, have a telehealth interaction with a medical practitioner, okay. and then it's the the drug is distributed from like a Pixis machine, you know, like a drug dispensing machine. And what what about FDA approval? 
I, I assume the drug has been approved by the FDA. It was. It was approved initially for use uh, up to 10 weeks when it was approved in 2000. And then in 2016, it was moved up to uh, 16 weeks. And what about uh, safety? Uh, what has the safety track record been? Okay, well, this is one of the issues in the case. Okay. The, and and let, let me introduce you to another organization. Uh, <laughs> you know, last week we talked about the Moms for Tyranny of a Minority. <laughs> But this is now the... <laughs> and, uh, they're, and, they're, and they're delicious sex scandals. Right. Apparently. Well, this one doesn't have a sex scandal, although <laughs> well, Josh Hawley's wife now, is involved. Now in that you said that, we're going to lose audience participation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the Alliance for Defending Freedom from Me, Not Thee, um, <laughs> is, is... And the real even, name is what? Is the Alliance Defending Freedom. Okay. Um, is a very, very conservative... A legal organization that at one time was very much on the fringe of the conservative legal movement mm. and now is very much in the center of mm. it, having brought over the last maybe four or five years 15 cases to the Supreme Court and winning 15 of them, wow. including they were the main uh, arg- you know, argument uh, for overturning Roe v. Wade. Okay, were they also involved in uh, the website? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, yeah, very right. much so. That, that is where some of you may remember them from, which was the, uh, I think it was 323 Creative website, the, uh, the law school uh, test case that they were able to bring from a woman who had literally no standing right. to... But claimed to want to be able to have this particular company do her website for her wedding. She claimed that she had been approached by a gay couple to do a website for their wedding. It, it, there was no evidence that was ever the case. Right. And there was also no evidence that even if that were the case, what the injury was to her. Right. So she so was anyway, essentially this... asking for an anticipatory ruling of could I be forced yeah. to do this. Even though she had no standing. Right. But anyway, she had no standing. So this, um, does this group have really no standing in this case? Yes, they, they, okay. they, followed, this is, they followed a similar one this in this case, they, they well, first of all, what did they do? They they claimed that Mifepristone was erroneously approved because it's dangerous. Okay. And I actually went and looked at the site, the the, the article they cite. And the article they cite does say, and it's a it's a it's a large trial experience from from Finland. They do point out that yeah, for instance, hemorrhage is much more common with medication abortions than it is with surgical abortions. But the hemorrhage is self-limited, so it doesn't. People don't get transfused for the most part for it. it yes, it's it's alarming and annoying, but it's not death-defying. And it, it doesn't leave any permanent injuries. That's correct. Now, the other issue with with medication abortion is that incomplete abortions are more common versus surgical ones, so that patients who fail a medication abortion have to have evacuation of the uterine cavity surgically. So that is true. However, the severity of the severity of complications from medica- from surgical abortions are much higher. Hmm. So even though the rate is lower, the severity is much higher. But th- those facts are enough for them to argue this case. Well, that's part of it. So the second issue, you ask about standing. So first they bring this case in Texas. Right. And they bring it in Texas specifically because they know there's a judge in yeah. the El Paso district sure. who is extraordinarily sympathetic based on his work with, and again, I hate to use pro-life, they're not pro-life, anti-abortion groups. Um, And so they knew if they brought the case to him, basically he was going to rule in their favor. Additionally, the appeal that they knew would come was going to go to the Fifth Circuit Court. The Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, of Federal Appeals, is a absolutely... Devoutly conservative court mm-hmm. includes one of our favorite jurors, favorite jurors, James Ho. You know, um, they come up with things that even this Supreme Court say, uh, no, that's not really uh, law. So, so they ruled that Mifepristone is illegal. Well, no, they ruled that it, it, it we should revert to the original approval, allowing it to be used for ten weeks with no mail order. They argued that the there was a six week you have a six year period of time to um, bring a protest against an FDA approval. Mm-hmm. The, the the there were um, there were you know protests um, against it that were filed on time, 
but the FDA didn't deny those until 2016, even though they were brought in like 2002. So essentially what Kaczmarek, the, the judge, said is, well, that resets the clock to 2016. But even with that, they missed the six years of 2022. Yeah, sure, yeah. But then he said, no, it's okay because this is such an important issue. We're going to let it slide, right, even though you missed it a second time. Then the standing issue that came up was mm. they found these four docs, none of whom were obese, by the way, who claimed that statistically it would be possible, because I think they were all ED docs. Um, ED? Uh, yeah, um, emergency department docs. Oh, I thought, I thought you were going to tell me erectile dysfunction. So they claimed that statistically the number of people getting, you know, in Texas getting medication abortions would inevitably present them in their ED work with running across a woman who had complications of a, a mifepristone-assisted abortion, and therefore they would have to act against their conscience to help these women. And that gave them standing in the case. Okay, quite a, quite a road. It, well, in <laughs> fact, it is, it's, it, that argument against, against, for standing goes completely against the ruling in a much earlier case by St. Scalia, who <laughs> says, you know, you, there has to be there has to be some reasonable standing here, you know. And I think, I'm sorry, as one, as, as uh, you know, one uh, legal scholar said, you know, before any judge begins calling balls and strikes, they must make sure first that the batter at the plate's an actual player and not just a fan who ran on the field. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love, I love a good sports metaphor, and that's one of the best I've heard in a while. Right. So anyway, the, um, the, uh, the, the, Pro-choice groups, I'm not quite sure who, are, are appealing this. Well, the Biden administration appealed it. That's, oh, how, yeah, that's yeah, how the appeal went to the Supreme Court I, in the yeah. first place. Okay. And, and the, um, the Supreme Court basically said, we're going to leave things where they were before. Um, and, and we'll look at this again. You know. And they sent it back, and then it's, now it's back. It's back, and they can't punt it's back. it this time. That's right. They can't punt it this time. And so this time, they're going to have to decide, number one, was mifepristone erroneously uh, approved by the FDA? Number two, if it was erroneously approved, is a court the one to be deciding that, right? Because, of course, that would undermine the administration of the pharmaceutical industry by the FDA, which, by the way, the pharmaceutical industry has no interest in having every drug brought into someone's well, right. courtroom. I, I, I would guess that, that the pharmaceutical industry and Biden, the Biden administration are on the same page of this one. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so so this, this case is, number one, a backdoor way, perhaps, to do a federal ban. Right. It doesn't ban surgical abortion, but it would... If mifepristone is unavailable, then it, while it wouldn't negate the possibility of using medication abortion, just single agent medication abortions, it would make it much less effective. So you're saying this could lead to a federal ban on abortion? It would be, in, 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 in fact, potentially a federal ban. It seems to me there's, there's enough complications and in, in, in layers to this onion that it's hard to know what the Supreme Court is going to rule, but I would guess that it's going to be a fairly nuanced position, despite... As you well, know, except from Alito and Thomas, which I'm yeah. sure you can pretty much predict what they're going to Sure, and, that, but that's and perhaps Amy Comey Barrett, who's got mm. a lot... Well, she has... She yeah, yeah. she spent she, a lot of time with the Alliance Defending Freedom. She, sure, but she's a little unpredictable in, in terms... In, in, as far as her, her time in the court so far. Mm -hmm. And by unpredictable, I mean sometimes ruling in a way that the far right would, would you know, is, is unhappy about. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean... Okay, so let's say, what, what, do you think, what do you think the probable outcome possibilities are? Well, I, I think what, what some of the, you know, what some of the uh, conservative legal groups are hoping is that they'll do this as another test case for, you know, deregulation, you know, for, for eviscerating the deep state, the regulatory <laughs> state. But a, a lot of legal scholars on both sides say this is a very weak case to mm -hmm. do it. And it's especially a weak case because most of the cases where they've done that have been in cases where the industry itself brought the case to the courts, claiming that the regulatory regimen was making their lives miserable. Mm -hmm. Here you have just the opposite case, which is the pharmaceutical industry is, is following 
amicus brief saying a, a regimen in which you would decentralize approval of drugs and devices would be a horror show right. and would absolutely you know, undermine our industry. So that, I think, is well, going to also play would under, pretty heavily. Uh, undermine public safety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so anyway, how do you see the uh, possible outcomes affecting the 2024 election? Because this is, um, the timing will be interesting, uh, just a few minutes I think this. anything that's going to make getting abortion harder is a gift to the Democrats. And I think the court knows that. Well, the court, the court ostensibly doesn't really give a darn about politics. Well, but they've already done, <laughs> they've already done the work in terms of getting rid of Roe v. Wade. And they can't miss the fact that, Roe, that doing that. What, six states have already even, I mean, most of them, quote, red states have already voted to right. preserve and the right it, to it, choose? It, it obviously has had a deleterious effect on the prospects of, of the Republicans. And, yeah. you know, these are mostly Republicans. And they are certainly not, they are certainly uh, not ignoring the they, fact that they are Republicans. You're they meaning meaning the Supreme Court justices. Right, the majority of them. Appointed by Republicans. Justices they, and saints. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah. I, I, I think that they might go as far as going back to the original approval and you know, negate the 2016 changes. I can't see them saying that it can't be used, and I can't see them saying that courts okay. are going to start deciding in what individual drugs can and can't be used. But the bottom line is they may well come out with a ruling that might help uh, Democrats. Yes, I think... Me me meaning they may come out with a bad ruling from those of us who value freedom of choice. Well, and, and also one which is going to amp up the stakes... Because remember, what was the reaction when Mifepristone appeared was going to disappear? Well, first of all, they, there was an appeal up in Washington State in which the appeals court came down just the opposite way. Mm -hmm. right, right, I remember that. Saying that nothing should change. And, you know, a lot of the, the, the blue states started uh, storing huge amounts of Mifepristone saying, mm -hmm. we're going to use it anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, and, you know, we forget, that we, well, we don't forget, but uh, sometimes the coverage of this conversation forgets that there are, there, there are a lot of people, women, particularly being hurt uh, by, this, uh, by, by the actions being taken legislatively and, uh, and within the court system uh, on, on, on reproductive rights. I mean, probably the, most, uh, the two most uh, disturbing cases were, to me, the 10-year-old uh, the in Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, and now Cox and down. And now the, the woman, woman in Texas, Texas, yeah. yeah. I, and I don't, I, don't, I haven't uh, followed, I haven't in the last month or so heard an update on what her status is. But She went to another state. Yeah. And they tried to prevent her from doing that, right? Um, I, they, you know. It, they wanted to. They wanted to. Yeah. But that is such a fraud issue. Because now mm. you're, if you're, you're, if you're saying your citizens can't travel freely, now you're running you know, well, you're, you're, the re you're residents. I mean, they're they're not citizens of Texas. They're citizens of a country right, that's of the correct. U.S. That's correct. And you're and you're saying you're basically you're you you're, can't travel across an gosh. open border. Yeah. You know. Wow. Well, you, you know, we talked about. This. I remember. I remember a show we did a, quite a long time ago when you know you were doing uh, terrestrial radio. Right. You know, and it was in it was on abortion because whenever we wanted to have a night where a lot of people called in. It was always good to talk well, about we abortion. Were, we, we, well, we're, we're still on terrestrial radio, but you mean yeah. the uh, the very big conservative station. That's correct. That uh, that had had me on as a, as a token for about three years, yes. Yeah, and I, I remember telling you that the, the basis of the the anti-abortion movement is, is based in initially xenophobia, but mostly racism and misogyny. Mm. And, and, after, yeah, and after the show in which... We had like 30 calls and 29 of them were from men. From men. I said, my case is proven. The <laughs> well, they were, and, and, and most of those calls were, uh, were anti-choice. That's correct. Yeah, and because, right. because the anti-choice movement came about because it was, it was formulated by Republican strategists at a time when feminism was becoming much more prominent. Mm -hmm. And it was part of the anti-feminism of conservative men. And so the, the, the cruelty is part of 
what is meant to happen. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Charles, a uh, good conversation. Appreciate your medical background and perspective on this. Uh, we're going to take a short break, folks. Uh, Charles Goldman here with me, Ed Fallon, and we're going to come back after a break and discuss how the American media has been ignoring the internal politics of Israel. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman with you here. Hey, thanks to all of our sponsors, including Architecture by Synthesis. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, Charles, so... um. I know we've been having all these light conversations here. Uh, <laughs> let's get, yeah, right. Uh, we're going to have another one that digs deep into something of, uh, of, of great import, and that's the, uh, the internal politics of Israel, which the American media, the mainstream media in particular, seem inclined to ignore. For the most part, yeah. yes. And I think, you know, that um, a lot of the, a lot of, in particular, the young people who, are aghast at what they see as a genocide occurring in Gaza and who, you know, are demanding a ceasefire and demand that the American government stop the Israelis. Um, don't, I don't really understand the history of what led up to this. And that, you know, Israel's a sovereign country. I'm in agreement with them. I mean, I think we've reached the point where... Biden and Blinken and the others who are going to Israel at some point, and actually not at some point, but now, now. <laughs> need to say to Netanyahu, your time's up, you know, and um, you and this extraordinary, this is the most conservative government of a conservative government that They've Israel ever has had, ever yeah. had. Yeah, but but even even more liberal governments in Israel have done nothing or little to well, try to build but a, to remember the liberal governments haven't existed for the most part. He's been yeah. he's been the prime minister for 16 and a half years out of the last 18. Right. So yes, his partners in government at one time were more centrist and liberal. Mm -hmm. They've now become almost entirely the real extreme right-wing yeah. Zionist movements and he is beholden to them. So yeah, I, I was uh, I was checking it out an article from Al, uh, AL Monitor. Uh, Domestic policy concerns are leading U.S. officials willfully to ignore Israel quote war crimes and to stifle dissent over arming the country. That's from a former State Department staff person who quit this month. Mm -hmm. uh, jo Josh Paul uh, is said to have caused a stir in Washington when he resigned. Uh, in one of the more high-profile protests at U.S. policy from within the State Department. Um, you know, so there's, and again, one, one, one problem we have here today on this program is we're taping this before the, 
UN, the third attempt at a UN resolution calling for a ceasefire is voted on. Mm-hmm. I suspect that uh, what will have happened is the U.S. will have will have voted for it uh, because they're pushing hard to amend the language a little bit, hopefully not so much as to weaken it beyond importance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's uh, I, I don't I don't know how I don't know how the Biden administration can continue uh, down this road of 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 you know of of, of, of of support for the uh, Netanyahu administration. I mean, it's um, what we're you know, and what what uh, what uh, what um, Josh Paul brings up, and what other you know other entities that are not part of the mainstream media bring up, pretty much show that there's you know there there are internal issues within the Israeli government that um, that need to be exposed, and that once well, you and, understand and, them, and you've got a whole new perspective on the conflict. That's correct, and and these these were some things you know I wanted to talk about. So. Um, you know, for instance, it's absolutely clear and that the Netanyahu and his minions will never assent to a Palestinian state of any type. Every, you have to understand, even given the fact that it was the Palestinians that said no to multiple agreements over time. Right. The they, net, they net, weren't they weren't workable agreements. No, that's not true. I mean, that's really? that's that well. that's not true. But at this point, Netanyahu, you know, he's talking about Hamasistan, you know, and Fatahstan, <laughs> that they're not going to have any sort of Palestinian state on either border of Israel. And in fact, it turns out that what he was doing was that he and his government were concentrating on wanting to continue the illegal settlements expansion in the West Bank, in which the most extreme elements, for the most part, of the Israeli population were going. Mm-hmm. They were allowing them to you know, create mayhem there in the Palestinian settlements on that side of the wall, and then, and then having to send in a fair portion of the IDF to now protect these illegal settlements that were causing a huge amount of trouble with the Palestinians. Now, the Palestinians on the West Bank are, for the most part, much more secular. The Palestinians in Gaza are a bit more fundamentalist. Okay. Okay. So they're not the same Palestinian group. And let's also understand that the Palestinians include Jews, sure. Christians. In fact, at one time, there were more Christian Palestinians on the West Bank mm-hmm. than there were Muslim Palestinians on the West Bank. Um, so... While this is going on, what was, you know, what was Netanyahu doing? He was helping the Qataris deliver money to Hamas. They were basically tens of millions of dollars from and, the and, Qataris. And, and that's verifiable. That's verifiable. There's, and and they, I mean, and, and politically, I understand why because, you know, building up Hamas helps support a right-wing Israeli argument that uh, Hamas must be crushed. Well, no, actually, the initial, they didn't, the, the reason they were building up Hamas, number one, was that they thought it would keep things quiet in Gaza so they could concentrate mm-hmm. on the West Bank, which is mm-hmm. what they're most interested in. The other would be that it allows Netanyahu to claim that there is no overriding Palestinian entity that could govern both Gaza and the West Bank. So he wanted to have Hamas continue to govern the West Bank. So, I mean, I'm sorry, to govern Gaza. You know, it's not hard to see where this goes, Charles. I mean, uh, India and Pakistan were once one country, and uh, they probably would have remained one country if India had achieved its independence back in 1919-1920. Um, but when uh, in, when the when the British uh, Empire was able to you know foment that uh, that tension between Hindus and Muslims, then suddenly you had the creation of a you had a two state solution, and of course those you know Pakistan, you know, hundreds of miles apart, <laughs> on the east and west side of India became two separate countries, you know and there's no there's no there's no doubt that Gaza and Palestine Gaza and the West Bank would become two separate countries. And um, here's what I, I my thought is, why not push for a one-state solution that is not dogmatically 
you know, religious. I mean, Ireland was a Catholic country. It still is a Catholic country by and large, but it doesn't push Catholicism, you know. Uh, and it's taken lots of positions that are, you know, in, 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 you know, at odds with some of the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. But, you know, why not in, in Israel? Why not in Israel that is, yeah, sure, maybe it's a predominant, predominantly Jewish country in terms of people's religious affiliation, but why not be open to Christians, Muslims, not affiliated people? Why not a one-state solution that embraces all? That would go from... The Jericho River. The river to the sea, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I know you're not supposed to say that. But, right. I, but, but I, I, I just don't see how that's going to happen. And the history of the partition was it worked both ways. There were huge numbers of Jews that were expelled from Arab countries right. to reside in Israel. And then there were the Palestinians who were expelled right, exactly to what, reside elsewhere. Exactly what happened between India and Pakistan. You know? Yeah, and I don't and, see and, that and India and Pakistan are going to become one country. No, they aren't. And, and what they could have back then, they could have back then, you know, other than the... And you know, it's the, same, the same villain in this case, too, the British. The British Empire uh, has left so much chaos in its wake across the world. And here, mm -hmm. this is another example. I mean, to me, the, I, I don't understand why there's not more... Uh, efforts to push for a unified country that recognizes, uh, supports differences. It has a separation of church and state. You know, They're, well, but but you have the same elements. You you have the same elements in Israel that you have here, in which they don't want a separation of church and state. Sure, and and, and those elements are the ones in control now. Right, and they. They're not entirely in control here, but they they control some things. Well, but in Israel, they are definitely in control. <laughs> sure, they are. That, that's the coalition that Netanyahu is working with. But you know, given given everything that's transpired since October seventh, you, you, we maybe there's enough political will, enough public desire for a a solution that would be lasting. And again, I, I don't see how okay. a two state solution. That's is that's lasting. a good question. Unfortunately, now, in addition to reading. The Epic Times. I, I, I have also <laughs> now started you, while, reading. While you're watching Fox News. Right, while I'm watching Fox News. I've also been reading Haaretz, which is one mm. of the biggest papers in Israel. It is, it More is progressive. devoutly, it's a progressive, absolutely anti Netanyahu uh, you know, periodical. Um, they go through, you know, as, as I just pulled up this article. You know, Netanyahu must be politically destroyed or Israel will go down with him. And they point out yeah, I think that that's he's... A, that's a good point. Everything's a myth about Netanyahu. You know, he's the one who told Trump pull out of the Iranian deal. It'd be great. He told Bush, get rid of Iraq, get rid of Hussein in Iraq, and the Middle East will blossom into peace. Let's see how that works. <laughs> Did he also right. encourage our involvement in Afghanistan? No, he no. had nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, you know... His whole thing of paying <clears throat> off Hamas so that, yeah. it, and that and you know. See, why, why doesn't that, again, back to our original conversation, why does that not come out in the mainstream media? That is out in the mainstream media. It's just only on, uh, it, you know, the Times just did it. Keep, you know, a huge thing on this. The New York Times. They, yeah, and the New York Times also did a huge okay. thing on the fact that they knew a year ago the plan. Right. And they didn't believe Hamas was capable, even though there was video of them yeah. you know, doing these exercises near the border. So you think Netanyahu probably knew that Hamas was capable and was even planning to do the October They knew they massacre. were capable. They didn't believe that it was, that it made sense for them to do it. That's, they were paying them off. I mean, the Qataris were asking them, do you really want us to keep spending this money? Jeez. You know, and the Israelis who were meeting with them said, yeah. Wow. That, that's just, you know. that, that's unconscionable. You know, and the other thing that gets lost in the conversation, and you almost never see in the mainstream media, is the fact that Israel has is a nuclear-armed nation. And interesting to me, you know, we, we know how many uh, nuclear weapons the U.S., Russia, China has, but we don't really... The, the, for some reason, the nuclear arsenal in Israel is estimated between 80 and 400, which is a huge range. Right. You know, and you know, and it's also believed that Israel has the capacity to deliver those nuclear weapons uh, by aircraft, uh, by submarines. Um, you know, and that that never comes up in the conversation, and I don't I don't understand why. I mean, it should come up in the conversation about uh, the our our. Well, I, I think in, in all fairness, in Israel, it's not meant as an offensive capability. It's clearly meant that don't be launching nuclear missiles from Iran or from Yemen, you know, at us. But I don't, I don't, 
I, there's no, I don't think there's any offensive strategy of use in Israel. Well, yeah, and it doesn't have to be a strategy. It could be an accident or it could be... Well, I understand that. It can be a, a madman. I, un, I, you know? I Yeah, but I don't think Netanyahu's that madman. I think that's no. a bit unfair. No, but I, no, but, the, but there are people who say, let's level Gaza. I, I've, I've heard people that's say correct. that. That's correct. And that's, that, unfortunately, and, those are the super radical members of the government that he now has. Yes. I've heard Americans say that, too. Let's level Gaza. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and one way to do that is well, you, I mean, they're, they're, doing, a, they're doing a pretty okay. good job I, of right I, now. I, I don't. They're not going to use nuclear weapons to level Gaza. They've already no, accomplished that but, pretty much with conventional weaponry. Yeah. But again, it could happen accidentally as well. Yeah, I, I, that's not one of the concerns. The concern is is that Netanyahu. I mean, he's so much like Trump. It's all about his own political survival. Because remember, the, 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 the backdrop of this was the judicial crisis that right, was sure. created. Which a lot of Israelis which convinced, were very upset about. Which convinced Hamas that this was the time to do this. Now, mm. the thing about what, you know, and here again, for all those people who are protesting and saying wonderful things about the Palestinian movement, how did Hamas help the Palestinians here? Because what's happened as a consequence of the attack on October 7th? There's no peace movement left in Israel. At this point, everybody, even the people, for the most part, not everyone, but no, I, I think there is a peace movement in Israel. I think I think it's, it's been it's been it has turned um, very hawkish. Yes, there are some individuals. Well, who are still I out I there think after it. after the three uh, hostages were shot by the by the Israeli Defense Force, I think you saw a, a, a significant increase in the number of Israelis calling for a ceasefire, calling for a peaceful but that's, solution. That well, ceasefire, yes, peaceful solution, two-state solution, unclear. But yeah. what I'm saying is, is that in, in far the fate of the Palestinians, Hamas did them no favors. Yeah. Because they, they really undercut people who probably would have helped get rid of Netanyahu mm. and reorient what Israel is going to do. Hey, we've got to run to a short break. Uh, Charles, you're going to like this. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about honey. Okay. okay. <laughs> I know that's really uh, really central to your wheelhouse, but uh, anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Now there's some st- there's some funky stuff going on with honey. We're going to talk about. We're going to expose it and have a conversation about it. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design build services for high performance, low maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westrom Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to all of our sponsors, including our anchor sponsor, Gateway Marketing Cafe. Now offering my favorite holiday gift idea, orchestrate hospitality gift cards. Support Gateway and other great local businesses with a gift that covers a huge selection of quality groceries and restaurant offerings. Gift cards are good at Gateway Market, Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burger, and several other locations. That offer is good through December 31st. All right, so uh, Charles, uh, I I know you're a vegan. I don't know whether you eat honey or not. Some vegans don't. I do eat honey. Oh, good for you. Okay, so anyway, um, good story covered by uh, Food Integrity Now recently, um, talking about how um, tests have revealed that between fifty and seventy-five, fifty and seventy percent of all U.S. honey is basically fake. Uh, it's adulterated. Um, And this is according to a comprehensive review of foods published in the Journal of Food Science. 
In fact, uh, that journal found that honey is the third most adulterated food in the world. Adulterated in terms of chemicals that don't belong in it, or it's not really honey, like olive oil? Well, I'm glad you asked, because uh, here, here's the list, all right? So, uh, so some honey is um, diluted with um, different kinds of sugars, um, rice sugar, beet sugar, my favorite, high fructose corn syrup. Uh-huh. And, uh, That's only here in Iowa. No, that, <laughs> we make it here in Iowa, but we share it with the rest of the world. And, but, you know, to call that honey natural is a lie. It also destroys the health benefits of honey. Right. Another, another problem is that um, some honey is heated to very high temperatures. They're trying to, um, you know, make sure it doesn't crystallize. Mm-hmm. And then they sell it as raw. I'm sorry, if you heated it to a high temp, it's not raw anymore. Mm-hmm. And also, if it's not raw, you probably have destroyed the health benefits of it. Um, some honey producers, um, they, they'll extract their honey early, and I can relate to this. Uh, if you take, your, take honey out too early, the nectar is still runny, and uh, then they have to machine dry it. And then, again, that compromises the health benefits of it. Um, again, some honey, some honey producers will, will feed high fructose corn syrup to their bees. Um, honey is sometimes labeled as, quote, local, when it comes from overseas. And um, inexpensive, low-grade honey can be filtered and then dusted with high-grade pollen from another location to obscure its origin. Interesting. So, um, yeah, this is a, an interesting commentary on, on some of the tests that have been conducted. Um, I love this. Quote, a bear-shaped, meaning plastic, bottle of great-value clover honey from Walmart was tested, and it was pure. Now, you, now, this is the first time. Well, this I would never know this because I never shop at Walmart. Well, I, know, I never do either, and you, and you never hear me say anything good about Walmart. But interestingly, the bear-shaped plastic bottle of great value clover honey was indeed pure, no sign of adulteration. Then there was another jar uh, in the study that was tested. It was uh, from uh, it was Tennessee honey, and it was quote raw. It was labeled raw. Actually, it was labeled raw local sourwood honey. And that turned out to be from Vietnam. Right. <laughs> and it contained um, non-honey sugars. So, uh, and then a third test uh, found that a bottle of honey from Whole Foods, their 365 organic honey, had been adulterated through heating. So bottom line is um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of actual legitimate beekeepers who are trying to raise honey naturally and not uh, not not adulterate the product, not 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 fake it basically, um, keep it raw. You know, they're 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 being they're being hurt by this because these big companies can import lots of this stuff. Uh, they do it cheaply. Um, they they you know, and when you add high fructose corn syrup, and again, high fructose corn syrup heavily subsidized by the government. Mm-hmm. When you add that to a product, you're basically um, you're basically uh, you know, rendering a lot, le- rendering it a lot less expensive for you. You can make more money on it. Uh, you bring down the price, and that hurts the local producers. So, you know, um, there's a, a Gillian Wade. He's in, he's an LA attorney, and he's involved in lawsuits against these uh, corporations that are doing this. He says, "Quote: The impact of this massive fraud on domestic beekeepers threatens to make the beekeepers themselves extinct." Uh, in fact, our entire food supply is at risk because of the flooding of the U.S. honey market with fake honey. And that is, Charles, because, I mean, so many, so many products, so many agricultural products are dependent upon bees for pollination. Well, yeah. How does that relate to adulterated honey? Um, it does because when, you, when you're importing honey from other soil, either abroad or you're, you're taking domestic honey and changing it, Mm-hmm. When you're able to make more profit on it because you're cutting it with other sugars, um, that hurts the beekeepers who are actually doing the right thing. I mean, beekeepers are struggling a lot with mites, with pesticides, um, with various other contributors to co- mm-hmm. co- colony collapse. You know, beekeepers don't need to be fighting big corporations who are trying to, you know, you know, weasel out of, uh, of, of proper regulation and sell a product that's inferior. So there. Yeah, well, I mean, I... I... I do, I do know that there are an enormous number of agricultural products that are pretty much totally dependent on pollinators. Yeah. Um, you know, one of your favorites, for instance, almonds. You know, <laughs> That's one of your huge, favorites. Huge amounts of water in the middle of a semi-arid Central Valley, <laughs> but also um, is, is highly dependent on yeah. pollinators. Got to wrap up the show. Uh, That's a sweet note to end it on. Hey, we're going to go out with... Uh, Van Morrison's Tupelo Honey. 
And while we do, we're going to thank our production team, which is Charles and myself, and Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, and Kathy Burns. Thanks also to our local small business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing the bumper music of this program. We'll be back next week, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio. Just like honey, baby, from the deep.